0: Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him.
1: Good morning. He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able, because of the crowd, since he was a short man, so running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, And said to the Lord, look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Terry.
0: Anybody here have a simple life story? Like just really simple, you were born, you had a great family, you rolled right into the job you were always meant for, you had the family you always wanted, and life has been easy and good, right? Nobody, nobody? I mean, I figured somebody might know. None of us do. Have you ever met anybody with a simple story? The only people that you know of with simple stories are people you don't actually know. It's easy to judge people because we simplify their stories from afar. It's easy to look at other people's lives and assume a lot of things about them. And generally, we assume people's lives are simpler than we give them credit for, than we know. And that's the only way that we can actually judge another person, is to assume that their story is simple and that we know it, that we can know and understand their story. And we do this all the time with biblical characters, We do this all the time with books we read and with especially the scriptures. We look at people's lives, and because we only see a tiny snippet of their lives, in this instance, we only see a five-minute interaction, we can assume we know a lot about this guy, Zacchaeus. So here's what's happening. Jesus has been traveling around, and as we talked about last week, Jesus has now resolutely set his eyes to go to Jerusalem. Jesus is a traveling teacher. He's a rabbi. And he's got a following of disciples behind him. He's got a following of people with him. And as he's been traveling and teaching, he's been teaching some really radical stuff. And I don't mean the love your neighbor stuff. I mean the I am God stuff. Jesus has been saying things that are making people really angry. And now Jesus is going to go to the very seat of Jewish leadership, Jerusalem. He's resolutely set his eye to Jerusalem. That's the exact language that we got from last week's text, where Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. He's going there, and he has to set his face with a rock-hard determination because he knows what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem. Jesus is going to be arrested and crucified in Jerusalem. And so he's been traveling around now for about nine chapters since our last encounter with Jesus, and he's been teaching and he's been talking, and now he enters the city of Jericho. Jericho is a large city. It's a border city between Judea and the east. It sits very near to um, the Jordan River. And so Jesus comes to Jericho, and he enters into Jericho, and there people know he's coming. They know he's going to Jerusalem. It's near the Passover time and so there are lots of travelers from the north that are coming down through Jericho to then go up to Jerusalem. From Jericho you go up to Jerusalem and up to the temple of God. And so as Jesus gets to Jericho, word has come in advance of him that this rabbi, this teacher, this guy who's claiming all of this radical stuff is coming and people are really excited. So he enters the gates of Jericho and there are just mobs and crowds of people. And the only person that we get named during this mobbing of Jesus is this little guy named Zacchaeus. Now I say little guy because the text tells us he's short. And anytime there's a detail in the story, you got to ask why that detail is there. Now we've heard that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. Let me be real with you. We don't actually know what that means. Nobody actually knows what that means because it's the only usage of that word in the whole Bible and in most of Greek literature. But it's the word for tax collector with the Greek word ark in front of it, which means chief or, or top dog, right? So apparently Zacchaeus is like the top tax collector. Now that means either he's the richest or he's in charge of the other tax collectors in Jericho. But either way, he's a guy with substantial means and authority in the city of Jericho, but he's short, which is a problem, because in, in a society that values your physical appearance, in a society that, that values your, your personal presentation, being short isn't exactly something that people honor, and so, Zaki- <laughs> we honor you, Sue, With, we honor the smallest among us, Sue, Dana, we love you. Um, <laughs> but he's also a tax collector so he's got the shame of being short and he has the shame of being a tax collector but he's jewish which is a problem tax collectors work for rome and jewish people in this world don't like rome rome is the oppressor rome is the empire that's taken over their land they're longing for a messiah to come and liberate them From Rome. And here is this short man working for Rome, and he is super rich, which also puts him out with most of the common people. And so Zacchaeus is a full on outcast, he does not fit with his Jewish brothers and sisters. One of the things that I think the, the series, The Chosen, gets so well is the portrayal of Matthew, the tax collector. If you watch them show The Chosen and you, you see the character of Matthew, the tax collector, and how he's treated by his Jewish brothers and sisters and how he's treated by the Roman officials, no one likes Matthew. He only does it for the money. And so that's kind of the assumption is if you're a Jewish tax collector, Rome doesn't like you because you're a Jew. The fella, your fellow Jews don't like you because you work for the Romans, the oppressors, and so you, the only good reason to be a tax collector is to make a bunch of money. And the only way to really make a ton of money and become really rich is to be a crook. To overcharge people on their taxes so that you can keep a bigger cut and then give Rome what's owed to them. And that's how a lot of tax collectors would work. In fact, shortly after this time, there's this like, monument in Israel to um, a tax collector. There was a statue at one point. And there was this chief tax collector over the region, sent by Rome. And the reason there's a monument to him is because the monument says he was an honest tax collector. It's so rare that when an honest one comes along, you'll build a statue to them. Tax collectors are seen as crooks and sellouts and traitors to their own people. That's the reputation Zacchaeus has. Whether he earns it or not right? Zacchaeus could be an honest tax collector. It's possible that Zacchaeus is an honest guy trying to do a job and provide. It is entirely possible that that's the case. But to his brothers and sisters around him, they would never buy that argument. There's no way they would ever see him that way. So Zacchaeus is a total outcast from everything in society. He is unclean, unwelcome, unloved uncared for, and short. So as this mob is around Jesus, trying to get to Jesus, celebrating him, making all the noise, Zacchaeus really wants to see Jesus. Now this is the really interesting part. We don't have, there's no prep here. There's no like pre-discussion of who Zacchaeus is. We don't know what's in his heart. We don't know why he wants to see Jesus. But for some reason, Zacchaeus is super excited to see Jesus, excited enough that he would climb a tree another undignified act as an elder in the community you don't climb you don't run you don't undignify yourself you walk with stately presence but Zacchaeus is so excited to see Jesus and he's like I'm gonna climb that tree right there and I'm gonna get a sight of him And that speaks to something within Zacchaeus, this hunger, this deep longing within him. Maybe it's because he's an outcast and he's heard Jesus embraces the outcasts. Maybe because it's he's a sinner and he's heard Jesus forgives sin. Maybe it's because that he doesn't have any love in his life and he's heard that Jesus will show love and care for those who are on the outs. For whatever reason, Zacchaeus is overwhelmed with desire to just look at Jesus. How many of y'all in this room are ever overwhelmed with desire just to look at Jesus? How many of us who have been following Jesus our whole lives are ever overwhelmed with desire just to look at Jesus? Just to see him. How many of us are ever so overwhelmed with desire to see Jesus that we'll go to undignified lengths to see him at work? Some of us need to recapture what Zacchaeus has. Some of us need to pray and some of us need to ask God for a deep, deep hunger just to see Jesus. It's so easy to get into the business of doing church and doing life and doing these things that are put in front of us that we totally forget Jesus is right there. And we just want to look at him. I just want to see him. And so Zacchaeus climbs this tree. And Jesus, in the middle of this mob, in the middle of this group, singles out Zacchaeus. And says, Zacchaeus... I'm coming to your house for dinner. Can you imagine what this guy's going, like, can you imagine Zacchaeus' heart right at that moment? I'm surprised he didn't fall out of the tree with a heart attack. Like, I'm shocked Zacchaeus is still alive at this point. Jesus looks up, sees this little outcast, and says, Zacchaeus, I'm having dinner with you. Now, it's an honor to host any rabbi. If you're a faithful Jewish person, or even an unfaithful Jewish person, it is an honor to have a rabbi come into your home. It is a blessing. When a rabbi comes in, someone who is teaching about God and blessed by God, comes into your home, they bring that blessing in. And one of the reasons Jesus got so in trouble all the time is because as a rabbi, if he walked into someone's home, it was like he was giving his approval to them. And so Jesus walked into the home of all these disapproving people, or all these people that you shouldn't be approving of, And he gives his blessing to these homes. And so Jesus, when he calls out Zacchaeus and he says, in this crowd, I'm having dinner with you, to the crowd, that's Jesus saying, I'm approving of you. Never mind what Jesus actually says. Never mind anything else. It's them seeing Jesus approve of this traitorous outcast. And Zacchaeus' heart explodes. And then he says what he says. He says, in our text... This is what Zacchaeus says. Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. And so we reach our first point. There's one reading of Zacchaeus that you will normally hear in a church, which is that this is Zacchaeus repenting of his lifestyle. This is Zacchaeus meeting Jesus and realizing that he's been a crook. He has stolen from people. And just this moment of grace with Jesus, this moment of Jesus looking at Zacchaeus and seeing something more than a traitorous little guy is enough for Zacchaeus to go, oh my God, I have to make restitution. All this ill-gained wealth, I have to, I have to give it away. I have to use it for other people rather than myself. And, and I'm going to go back to my books, Jesus, and I'm going to look at it, and, and anywhere that I've overcharged people, I'm going to give them back four times as much. The grace of Jesus towards Zacchaeus is so powerful, so strong. The generosity of Jesus towards Zacchaeus is so palpable, so powerful, that it moves Zacchaeus to radical generosity. To say anything that I've gotten by ill gain is not mine, and I will use it to restore those who have been defrauded. I will use it to restore the broken. I will use it for outcasts like me, but outcasts that don't have the resources that I have. The grace of Jesus towards Zacchaeus is so strong that it moves him to radical generosity. And that is one legitimate reading of Zacchaeus. And it ought to ask, "Make us ask ourselves, "Have I experienced the radical generosity of God?" Have I experienced the radical generosity of Jesus? Is my hunger to look upon Jesus so strong that when I encounter his grace, it makes me lay down everything at his feet and say, it is yours. Use it to your purpose. Use it to your will. Use it to the flourishing of the outcast and to the broken. Lord, would you work through the material things that I have to bring restitution and to bring wholeness to people who lack it? Is the grace of God and the generosity of Jesus so strong in our lives that it moves us to act like Jesus in our generosity? That it moves us to care for others with the money that we have and the resources that we have and the material things that we have? There's another reading of Zacchaeus. You see, our Bible translates what Zacchaeus says as, I will give and I will pay back. The problem is that in Greek, that's not in the future tense. It's in the present tense. So what Zacchaeus literally says is, I give half of what I get. And if I ever cheat someone, I pay back fourfold. And so it's possible that what Zacchaeus is trying to do here is justify himself before Jesus. He's met this rabbi. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house For dinner, and Zacchaeus is trying to find some justification, some reason that Jesus would want to be with him. And and Zacchaeus is trying to put his faithfulness out there to Jesus to say, Hey, Jesus, just so you know, like, this is the kind of man I am. I actually give half my stuff, and, and I actually do. If I cheat somebody, I pay back four times. It's possible that Zacchaeus is actually trying to be a faithful follower of Yahweh, even though he's a tax collector and short. It's possible. That Zacchaeus is actually trying to be righteous. He is trying to be good. He's trying to do the right thing with the wealth that he gets. It's possible. And Jesus looks at him and says, bless you. Today salvation has come to this house. It's possible that what's happening here is Zacchaeus is trying to justify himself before this rabbi. And what Jesus is really looking at him and saying is, I am the salvation you're seeking. I am the salvation you need. It's not in trying harder. It's not in giving more. It's not in going through the motions, Zacchaeus. I honor your faith. And now you've met your salvation. And so on the second reading of Zacchaeus, we can, we can look at it and we can say to ourselves, how have I been trying to buy God's grace? How have I, through my dedication or through my church attendance or through whatever means, how have I been trying to earn God's grace? How have I been trying to earn the favor that is mine only through Jesus Christ, salvation in person? How have I in my life tried to buy God's favor Through my acts of devotion or through my service or through my years of church attendance, through taking communion each week. Like, how have I tried to earn God's love? And Jesus looks to us as Zacchaeus and says, I am the salvation you need. I am the salvation that has come to your home. I came to seek and save the lost. And the fact is that Zacchaeus' story isn't a simple one. He's not a simple person. He has a complicated life story that we don't get an insight into. All we can do is read the the few verses that we have here about this guy and try and understand what God is trying to teach us through it. And so when we come and we ask, okay, well, which one's the right reading? As a pastor, people always ask me that. What's the right way to understand it? And sometimes, like in this one, I say yes. Yeah. Let's read it both ways. Either way, it confronts me right at the level of my heart. Either way, this story totally confronts me. Whether it's, oh my gosh, the grace of God has come to me an outcast. The love of God, the salvation of God has come to me an undeserving sinner and Jesus calls me to his table. Or, It forces me to ask, how have I tried to earn God's love? How have I, through my faithfulness, been trying to earn God's favor and grace? Either way that I understand the story of Zacchaeus, I am confronted by the radical generosity of my God in Jesus Christ. Either way, Jesus is still Jesus. And that's the beauty of it. We can understand Zacchaeus however we want, but Jesus doesn't change. Each one of us has crazy different stories. Each one of us has a complicated life history. There's no one in here who has a silver spoon in your mouth and has just lived perfectly and gloriously and easily and beautifully your whole life. Each one of us has a story, but Jesus doesn't change. Each one of us has situations and circumstances and pains and glories, but Jesus never changes. And no matter what our story is, no matter how deep the depths and no matter how high the heights, Jesus never changes. And he comes to us and says, I am your salvation. You won't find it on a mountaintop and you won't find it in the bottom of the valley. Jesus is the source of our hope and our life. Jesus is the one who calls us to his table, even when he's sitting at ours. Jesus is the one who calls us in when we are outcasts. Jesus is the one who calls us in when we're trying to earn God's love by our righteous actions and behaviors. Jesus is the one who calls us to himself and when we come to him, he says, today, salvation has come to your house. Today, not before, not through any other means. Jesus says, today, I bring you salvation through me, You have freedom. Through me, you have life. Through me, you have access to your God. You see, Zacchaeus, sitting at the table with Jesus that night, could not possibly understand the true depths of Jesus' generosity to him. Zacchaeus thought, here is this amazing rabbi, this honored rabbi who has chosen to bless my home and to come and bless me. But when Jesus says to Zacchaeus, "Today salvation has come to this house, Zacchaeus couldn't have a notion of what that would really mean. That Jesus was on his way to a cross to pay for every sin Zacchaeus had ever committed. To welcome in not only Zacchaeus, the outcast, but every single one of us who have ever felt outcast from God's presence or from God's people. Jesus would go to a cross and be crucified he would be buried and he would rise again from the dead to secure life for the dead, to secure forgiveness for the sinner, to secure embrace for the outcast, to secure adoption for the orphan. Zacchaeus couldn't imagine the radical grace and generosity of Jesus. But on the other side of the cross and resurrection, on the other side of the work of Jesus, we can see it clearly. God has given us eyes to see what Jesus has done for us. The radical generosity of our self-giving God. The radical generosity of our King Jesus who would lay down his glory, lay down his godness, lay down everything in order to go to a cross for us So that he could take up his life again and promise us resurrection. Promise us new life. Promise us embrace in God's family. Today, on the other side of the cross and resurrection, we can see the radical generosity of our God. And we can be confronted. We can be confronted by the ways we've tried to earn God's grace that is freely given through Jesus Christ. And we can be confronted in the ways we've tried to be stingy with God's grace and chosen instead to exclude and judge or withhold our resources from those in need. And today, there's not a person in this room who isn't confronted by this story. I tell you, I am. I read this story and it cuts deep to my heart. And it makes me ask, Jesus, do I really long to see you like Zacchaeus did? And it makes me ask, God, how have I been trying to buy favor with you? How have I been trying to bribe you for salvation? It makes me ask, Jesus, have I been moved to the kind of generosity that Zacchaeus showed and that you have given to me in adopting me as your son? This story confronts every single one of us. But regardless of how it confronts you, regardless of where it touches, regardless of how it's calling us, the answer is the same. The answer is Jesus. The answer is to turn to Him, to look upon Him, to gaze upon the cross and the empty tomb and to look for Him coming again. To turn our eyes upon Jesus in every situation, And allow him to heal the wounds within us. Allow him to move us to generosity. Allow him to soothe us when we're trying to buy God's favor. Allow him to be the center of our life who orders our steps. And allow this family to be our family as we walk on this road to Jesus together. Lord God, as we're confronted by this story this morning, I pray that you would move us, that Holy Spirit, you would work within our hearts to move us to long for a vision of Jesus, to long to see you clearly. Holy Spirit, as you shine a light into the darkness of our hearts as you shine a light into our souls and we see all of the good and all of the difficult, all of the strength and all of the weakness. I pray that you would make up our lack, that you would bring comfort where it is needed, that you would bring healing where there is wounding, that you would bring strength where there is weakness, and you would bring peace where there is chaos within our souls. You would move us, Lord, To a radical kind of generosity, a radical kind of love that refuses to judge, that refuses to read people's stories as simple, that refuses to look at people as two-dimensional, but longs to love as we have been loved, to give as we have been given to, to adopt others as we have been adopted, and to walk in lockstep with your family bound together by the blood of Jesus for the glory of our King at the will of our Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.